Cool. So my name is Selena Villanueva, and I am the Civic and Youth Engagement Manager of the Illinois Coalition for Immigrant and Refugee Rights. That is a mouthful of words. Um, so our acronym is ICERS, which we're what we usually present ourselves as. Um, and the work that I do, it's been a long time coming. Um, my passion is really working and engaging young people in the political process, and so my organization actually pays me to do that type of stuff, um, and they pay me very nicely. Uh, so don't ever let anybody tell you, especially right now when you're kind of thinking of like what I'm going to do with the rest of my life, don't ever let anybody tell you that they won't actually pay you for something that you love doing, because I get to do that every single day. Um, so the conversation that we're going to be having today and sometimes it's going to be a little bit difficult. Um, immigration is not an easy topic of conversation at all. Um, and if you've been paying attention to the news recently or in any of the um, presidential debates, it's been a really hot topic and continuously. And you kind of see it yourself in the makeup of the student body here, but you see it in the makeup of our state and in the makeup of our country. So it's not something to be afraid of, and I think a lot of times people tend to do that and push the envelope and say, hey, you should be afraid of those people that are coming in here to try to change things. No, because if you like tacos or pizza or basically, you know, like Thai food, you like immigrants. Like, come on. There is a huge benefit because I love me some tacos. I told my mom the other day that I loved her more than tacos, but sometimes I think I love tacos more than my mom. Um, but don't tell her that, although this is being recorded, so she might actually hear that. So to kind of give you an introduction of what my organization does, we are a 29-year-old organization that's made up of about 130 members, so we're a coalition. We work with organizations throughout the state of Illinois, everything from Beardstown, which is like in the middle of nowhere, um, up here to Chicago and the surrounding suburbs and down in Champaign, so we work with people everywhere. Essentially, anywhere that, where there's immigrants and refugees, we work with organizations in order to kind of do a lot of coordinating efforts. So essentially, our work is dedicated to promoting the rights of immigrants and refugees to full and equal participation in the civic, cultural, social, and political lives of our diverse society. So that's our mission statement. And if you give me one moment, I have to get something. Don't ever think that cue cards are not important, because they are, because they remind you of a lot of things. So I still use them. Um, so what is it that we exactly do? We have about 12 full-time staffers, and that might not seem a lot, but when we're talking about all the things that we do, it's kind of impossible sometimes, and I don't sleep most days. I woke up at like five this morning, and I went to sleep like around midnight, so it's, it's that kind of lifestyle. But we do administrative relief implementation, and we'll go into that in a little bit. Um, we do citizenship programming, so if you ever witness a citizenship workshop, we handle those and organize those. We do civic engagement, meaning doing a lot of political and electoral work. We do youth engagement. We organize. We do a bunch of policies. So I'm in Springfield constantly. Um, we do deportation defense because that's also a major part of the immigrant experience here in the country. Um, we work on health care and a whole bunch more. Everything from raising the minimum wage to access to, um, or talking about the ACA, the um, Obamacare. We do everything, um, and it's a little overwhelming sometimes. So this is just to give you kind of an example of the organizations we work with. When we talk about immigrants, immigrants doesn't just mean Mexican. Yes, I'm Mexican, very proud of it. Again, I love the tacos. But we're talking about, 
Um, we, we're talking about Polish immigrants. We're talking about Irish immigrants. We're also talking about African immigrants, immigrants coming from basically anywhere across the globe, from every Asian country that you can imagine, from India, from um, Pakistan, from anywhere you can imagine. Immigrants are from everywhere, okay? And we try to round them all up and get them together, okay? So how did we get here? All right. Who remembers what happened in 1986? Some of you guys have probably been studying some of this stuff. Okay. <coughs> Anybody? So I'm not going to go into immigration like in the 1900s because I think we kind of already know about Ellis Island and all of that stuff. I'm going to talk more about modern immigration. And that really came to a pinnacle in 1986 with the Immigration Reform and Control Act. So that was Ronald Reagan's baby. And yes, Ronald Reagan was a Republican, actually talking about immigration reform. It was the bill that legalized over 2 million immigrants in the United States. And I'm a direct beneficiary of that because both of my parents were legalized from IRCA, which meant that they could become homeowners, which meant that you know my mom eventually went on and went to college and has her master's degree now, which means that you know they can own cars and you know actually live and thrive. And my mom is now a US citizen. My dad's still a legal permanent resident. Um, but she can vote. She can participate fully in what it is to be American. I was born here. I had all of these things from birth. Some people believe I shouldn't have them because of the way that my parents came to this country. One of the things, and this is a constant thing that we try to kind of let people know, is that people come to this country for three reasons, okay? And that's love, because their other family members are here, because their significant other is here, because their kids are here. It's because of work, because there, is no, there are no jobs in their countries of origin, because there really isn't much of an economy, and it's fear. Because people are fear, fearing or fleeing persecution. You have gang wars and horrible violence that's happening in Central America. You're seeing what's happening in Syria at the moment. This isn't anything new. This has been a consistent thing throughout history, world history, where you have seen wars and you have seen devastation that have literally torn through entire generations of people. And where do they come? The land of McDonald's. Because who doesn't want to get a burger for about, about a dollar? Or I think it's a dollar 39, right? The double cheeseburger? You know, you come here for the land of opportunity because, yes, you can actually thrive whether or not you, know, you believe it and whether or not you have the same opportunities as everyone else, you can actually do something here, okay? So IRCA legalized about two, I think it's 2.8 million immigrants that were previously undocumented. The idea was is that this was gonna curb undocumented immigration, also known as illegal immigration. I don't like to use the term because no human being is illegal. Um, it's also up to you to decide what you wanna use, but again, like, Coming to the United States is not a, a criminal offense. So I want you guys to kind of also correlate that, okay? So if you're an undocumented immigrant, you are not a criminal. You have not killed somebody. You are not like, you're, you're not Bernie Madoff. You're not stealing hundreds of millions of dollars from somebody. It is not a criminal offense. It is a civil offense, okay? So no human is illegal. So just putting that out there. But what happened, and we see this after 90, 1986, is that in the 90s, there was a huge growing anti-immigrant sentiment that was coming in. And it was coming in in, in tons of different types of forms. Um, but we see this real big backlash, because sometimes policy takes a long time to happen and a long time to implement. 
And like when I talk, when I say about a long time, it's about a decade sometimes for you to kind of fully see the effects of, it, of any type of policy um, until you actually see something kind of uh, backlashing from it. And so what we see in the new millennium is a major backlash against immigrants. And so a lot of this starts, you know, because we're already kind of seeing a really difficult decline in our economy. We hadn't bottomed out yet. This was in 2009. We're talking about in 2001, what happened? Anybody? What was the big thing that happened in 2001? 9-11. And that reached a point, a tipping point, okay? And you can see this because if you do some work on the ACU, um, ACLUA and, and all these other organizations that kind of track hate groups, you see that there is a steady rise in the 90s that kind of gets to a boiling point in 2001 after the terrorist attacks happened. And it wasn't just against, like I said, immigration isn't just a Mexican thing, but it was against Arab and Muslim communities as well. And so we see a big backlash. So policies that were coming in after that all had to do with the US-Mexico border because it was the incorrect belief that terrorists were coming into the United States through the US-Mexico border. And so we started seeing a lot of this, where it was like, you know, run, families are running across the border and that's what they're coming in to do. They don't want to pay taxes, you know, they want free health care, they want free, you know, food, food stamps, they want all of these things that Americans get to have and we don't want them here because they're going to take all, you know, use our system. Undocumented immigrants have to pay taxes. They cannot access health care benefits that are offered by the, by the government. They, ca they can access food stamps. They cannot access government aid. So I'm kind of here kind of dispelling some myths if you've ever heard them on TV because they tend to be kind of, you know, discombobulated sometimes, okay? We reached a pinnacle in the 2000s in the era of Britney Spears and this is like pre-Britney Spears before she went a little crazy, um, where we saw hatred, like very, very harsh hatred and treatment of immigrants. Um, and we're talking about policies that were now literally targeting undocumented immigrants in a very harsh way. In 2005, we had what was known as House Resolution 4437. And this was a House bill on the federal level. So we're talking about your, con you, your congressmen were coming out to either vote for this or not. And so basically, this was known as the Sensenbrenner bill. Because Sensenbrenner was a congressman from the state of Wisconsin. And if any of you are from Wisconsin, you know, I'm not trying to offend, but you know, only good things that are coming out of Wisconsin is cheese and beer. Um, not too proud of them because they actually, you know, Everything that's going on up there is not too great. Um, so coming out of Wisconsin comes this bill that literally says that seeking to address immigration in their terms, um, that basically we're going to militarize the border. We're going to add all these other things like drones and more guns and more, all, you know, just everything. Like it's going to, we're going to turn it into a war zone to prevent terrorists and other immigrants from coming into this country there because of course we don't have another border with Canada and people can't come through Canada, right? Um, but it basically signaled a major shift in immigration because immigration hadn't really been dealt with since the early 90s and since IRCA in this capacity. Immigration also saw a huge rise in the 90s and the reason for that being is that 
you know, we had trade agreements like NAFTA and CAFTA that we're going through that really affected the economies of countries in Central and South America. We also see, you know, um, again, wars happening all throughout the rest of the, the world. So, you know, we're talking about a lot, a lot of crap that's going on. And we see it now. You know, there's a war or there's something or there's res refugees fleeing from someplace in the world. It's a constant thing that we see, okay? And a lot of it also has to do with U.S. foreign um, policy. So, and not U.S. foreign policy because it has to do a lot with Russia. It has a lot too with China where people are intervening, intervening on behalf of other people, quote unquote. Um, but in the backlash of that, um, of HR 4437, or yeah, 4437, we also see a rise in organizing. And we also see a connection for, you know, from the community to understand that this is a bill that's attacking us because it's making us illegal. Again, I'm a citizen. I was born a citizen. But for me, the idea that, you know, you're going to have a federal bill that's basically deeming somebody untouchable. Like, I don't want to have a relationship with this person because this person is now being labeled as undocumented and I can get in trouble if I'm anywhere near this person. If I technically, like, if they're in my car, you know, something might happen. Like, I might get, you know, fined for, you know, having a, a relationship or being anywhere near them. Um, but then we see this. So HR 4437 actually happened in 2005, and as a result of that, people got really pissed off. Tons and tons of people. Because it really was attacking immigrants. And like I said, immigrants is not a Mexican thing. It is an everybody thing, okay? So what happened was a very, very strategic and organized effort on behalf of not just community-based organizations and advocacy organizations like mine, but uh, a collaboration between media, between radio stations, between TV, between a whole bunch of people to basically fight back and say, we're not going to stand for this. We'll get into a bit about why this happened and why the need for this occurred. Um, but this was actually in 2006, and there were marches leading up to this. And we're talking about marches um, and rallies of about 50,000 people. This in itself was about 300,000 people. The city of Chicago got shut down. I was actually in college when this happened. I was in um, Champaign-Urbana when uh, I remember waking up at like 4 o'clock in the morning to drive back up here because this started at like about 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock in the morning. And again, these are people from every walk of life that took the day off of work. I remember my mom actually took my younger brother out of school because we knew how momentous this was going to be. It's so about 300,000 people that were marching through the city of Chicago to say, we're not going to take it anymore. You can't target us like this. And the thing was, is that this was not an isolated incident. We're talking about 500,000 people in Los Angeles, another 100,000 people in Denver. Like, you had another 300,000 people in New York. These were huge, monumental numbers of people, whether they were undocumented, whether they were citizens or legal permanent residents. All of them had something in common, and that was the fact that they were upset and pissed off about the injustices that were happening against immigrants in this country at that point in time. How old were you guys in 2006? <laughs> Do you remember? Nine? Okay. All right. So give or take, you were about eight, nine, ten years old. Okay. This was a huge thing, and it's not necessarily something that's in your textbooks because it's something that's more recent, um, and it tends to be drawn out in a lot of the other immigration debate that goes on. But this is a show of force, you know. And this wasn't the only time. This happened several times over. Okay, this is downtown Chicago. This is 
Texas Federal Plaza, it was huge. The miles and miles of people that kept coming, it was kind of, it was a little overwhelming. It was a lot of people, so if you're, you know, claustrophobic, it's, it's kind of scary. But it was possibly one of the most incredible things I've ever seen in my life is to see that amount of humanity. And again, there wasn't any arrest happening. The police were there. It was very well organized. This was a peaceful demonstration. People had signs and people were marching. There were no fights. There's nobody getting arrested. There was nobody getting rowdy. There wasn't any of that. Why? Because we knew the point, okay? We knew what we were trying to get to, and the point was is to make a, you know, take a stand and say this is what we're standing for. We are here, we're together, you should pay attention. So this is just more of a, this is on Wells over by the DePaul, well no, this is Wabash over by the DePaul campus. So that's actually literally right where my building is. So, I'm actually gonna go back. And the second one, the second bill that we see pass that was kind of like, okay, what's going on? What's really going on here? Because again, it ebbs and flows. And this is to kind of give you a perspective of what's happening on the state level, is that in 2010, SB 1070 was passed in Arizona, and it was signed by their governor. SB 1070 literally made it <coughs> legal for you to racially profile anybody, for the police to racially profile anybody that they themed to be illegal. So I could be walking down the street, and if the police saw me and said, oh, I think you might be, you know, illegal, I'm going to go ahead and arrest you. So, yeah, I don't know about that. So this was actually known as the show me your papers law, so you had to prove that you were a citizen. Um, I don't know if you guys know this. You guys can technically walk around without an ID. Like, it's not mandatory. You want an ID. I walk around with my ID all the time because in case I get kidnapped, at least somebody would know who I am. Um, I'm a little paranoid like that, so, you know, that's just me. But, you know, at the end of the day, you don't necessarily need to prove who you are to the police. You don't even need to tell them anything. If they have probable cause, uh, cause obviously, that's a different situation. But if they don't, you don't really have to talk to them. Um, but in Arizona, this law, which is still a law, went all the way up to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court actually still upheld the worst part of the law, which is the so show me your papers portion of it. So basically, if you're a brown person in Arizona or a black person, because you could also be an African immigrant, and the police stop you and they say, oh, I think you're undocumented, I can take you with me unless you prove to me that you're something other than that. So if you forgot your ID or your driver's license at home that day, let's say you're just walking around, you know, you're going to the store that's maybe two blocks away and you get stopped by the police. If you don't have it with you, you can go to jail just for not having your ID with you. And just because of the color of your skin or the way that you look. So I'm not sure about what you guys think. I'm not okay with that. That's a little bit problematic. So again, what do we do to combat that type of anti-immigrant policies that are happening? We protest. And what do, which way do we protest in? This is just an example. The Arizona Diamondbacks were actually in town playing against the Cubs. And so what do we do? We take that as an opportunity to show unity, solidarity, but also that this is something that's important to the community that's here in Chicago. So why is this important? Why is what all of what I'm talking about important in the least? Why should you care? Because when we talk about immigration, the majority of immigrants are not undocumented. Yes, it's true. 
There are about 11 to 12 million undocumented immigrants in the country. The majority of immigrants and their families are not undocumented. They are legal permanent residents, their citizens or their children or family members are now US citizens because they've been born here. Okay, and this is just to give you kind of a figure of where we're at. It's about 11 to 12 million that are undocumented. 13 plus million immigrants are legal permanent residents, meaning that they have a green card, they have a social security number, they, can ha they have a work permit, they can work, they're here legally. Okay, then you have about 18 plus, and this is like 18 to 20 million immigrants that are naturalized citizens. That means that they went through the whole process, they paid all the money, you know, they went through the whole shebang, they learned English, they learned who their, you know, senators and their congressmen were, and they learned more about government that you would ever learn in your U.S. history class. Okay, 18 plus, 18 to 20 million. And then out of those, out of all these people, 33 to 35 million are born. So whether it's their children or whether it's their spouses or whether it's a younger brother or a younger sister, we're talking about we're in a situation where undocumented immigration is actually at an all-time low, okay? And what's happening is the integration of immigrants into the United States. So the majority of immigrants are what? Not undocumented, okay? But that doesn't mean that we ignore them and say, oh, well, you know, you can just like sit in the corner over there. No, because we still have to deal with them. It's not okay that 11 to 12 million people have to hide in the shadows or be afraid every time they walk out of their house. You know, we want to incorporate them because guess what? Number one, they also pay taxes. You know, we want them to do it in a legal way. But we also want them, you know, we want to keep our communities safe. We want to keep our streets safe, right? You know, if you drive down the street and you get into a fender bender with somebody in a car accident, you want the other person to have insurance, especially if it's their fault that they got into the accident with you, right? So we, within our organization, try to do everything, not just to say, okay, we're protecting undocumented immigrants, but we're working on the integration of immigrants, because ultimately, for us, it isn't just about, oh, we're gonna protect all these people. No, it's about everybody. At the end of the day, it is about the incorporation of immigrants into the fabric that is Illinois and into the fabric that is the United States. Because again, remember, who doesn't like tacos? Okay, so what does this mean for the state of Illinois? Because we're talking about the land of Lincoln, right? Good old Abe is that we are seeing a major shift in the way that the population looks like here in the United States and specifically in the state of Illinois. Is this something that you should fear? Absolutely not. This isn't something that you should be like, I'm gonna run for the hills and I'm gonna like, you know, I need to go run and hide and we need to go harm people. No, it's not like that, okay? It's just happens, you know, like it's history. You know, it happened with the Italians, it happened with the Polish, it happened with the Germans, it happened with every immigrant group that came to this country. They came to this country, they integrated, and now we have hamburgers and pizza as basically food that you eat almost every other day. So we see, I think some of you guys might have not been alive in 1990, um, but before, you know, before your time, is that we see Latinos and Asians kind of, you know, they're there, they're present, um, but the majority of Illinois, and it will always continue to be like this, is Caucasian, it's white, right? We also see a significant portion that is African American. From 1990 to 2000, you see a major growth, and we're talking about basically 100% growth of both the Latino and Asian population. 
and a minimal growth of African Americans. But we also see the growth of the Caucasian race, right? So, you know, everybody's kind of growing in numbers. By 2010, which is about five years ago, the census is done every 10 years, guys. So a lot of these numbers, we have like estimate numbers, but we won't have the real numbers until after 2020. Um, but basically in the past 20 years, we've seen about 124% growth of Latinos in the state of Illinois and about 105% of Asians in the state as well. So Caucasians really haven't grown because white people are getting older, they're having less kids, um, and Asians and Latinos have just, the, our population is a lot younger. So about a third to a fourth, or I mean a third to less, I want to say about 40% of Latino and Asians are actually, you know, under the age of about 25. So we're talking about a huge population growth of people that are very young. They're your age or younger. Um, but then one of the things that we also see is the decline of African Americans. So again, this is either through aging or through moving out of the state. But the, breakground, the um, breakdown of demographics is shifting. So we're in a situation, again, where we're seeing, and Illinois is actually a fairly immigrant-friendly state. Don't get, don't get me wrong at all. Um, at this moment, Illinois is in a very anybody-friendly state because they're kind of just like the budget situation is not helping anybody. Um, but for the most part, policies, immigrant-friendly policies, and again, this isn't to say, oh, we're gonna give immigrants the heads up. No, this is just incorporating them into Illinois and giving them the opportunities to just live and be okay. Um, so again, it's really important to know that this demographic shift is going to continue to grow. You know, the figures are is that by 2050, about a quarter of the country will be of Latino descent. Um, and again, that doesn't mean that they're immigrants. That doesn't mean that they're coming from other countries. That just means that there's generations that are now, you know, living here longer. So that means that would include like my kids if I ever decide to have children. Um, but that would mean my kids, my grandchildren, you know, my cousins, my nieces, my nephews, and so on and so forth. And actually, the biggest growing minority group, the, the one that's growing at the fastest rate, is actually Asians. It's not Latinos. So the idea is that Latinos are going to be the largest minority group in 2050, and then by like 2051, Asians are going to surpass that like fairly quickly. So again, this is kind of to give you an example of the population growth in 1990 to about 2010. And so we're also seeing that Latin or immigrant communities are actually moving out of the city of Chicago and into the suburbs. And again, you see it here with your fellow students. So you guys have a very diverse student body here. Um, and that's just kind of the, what happens when you have this type of immigration growth. That's one of my favorites. All right, so we got past these policies and now we're kind of in the age of like One Direction now. Um, not necessarily a fan, but it's okay, I understand. Some people are. Um, we're also in the age of the Kardashians. I do keep up with the Kardashians sometimes. Um, but we're also in an age where we're seeing massive deportations of people, okay? Um, and so for a very long time, our lovely president was also known as the deporter in chief. Um, because again, immigration is a hotly contested issue regardless of what political party you are. It is not a, an easy pill to swallow. 
And again, but you know, it's because a lot of these elected officials don't necessarily work for us. They kind of work for themselves or the people that are giving them the most money, um, depending on whichever way you see it. Um, but kind of running in to what happened. So we had 2001, um, we had Bush Jr. in office. Um, he was going around with the Patriot Act and you know, basically trying to militarize the entire country, which some people liked and some people didn't. Um, but so when we talk about immigration, the idea was is that Barack Obama came along and he was like, yes, I'm gonna be your savior. I'm gonna save all you immigrants and I'm gonna you know, take care of you. That didn't necessarily happen because he kind of just increased deportations more than anybody, uh, more than his predecessor. Um, yes? What's your analysis? Why do you think that the Obama administration did deport so many people, given that yeah. the campaign had pledged right, to take up immigration reform right away? Yeah. Um, so why do you think it ended up turning out that way? Two reasons. Political power that was not that has not been exerted um, on behalf of immigrants in this country. Um, but number two, he was trying to placate the Republican side of Congress, because um, he also didn't necessarily, he came in with a decent Congress, um, but once you know 2012 hit, um, which was really like the big push, because he said, you know, before my first term in office, I'm gonna deal with immigration reform. That didn't happen because he was like, look, I took care of healthcare, like I'm doing this, I'll do immigration after 2012. He didn't, for the same reasons where it's like Congress, the makeup of Congress, you know, changed completely. It was a Republican, I think, controlled House and a Democratic controlled Senate. Um, so it was the political power that really couldn't push Congress to act. Because at that point, um, the president wasn't doing executive actions in, this, in the capacity that I'm about to explain right now. Um, so he kind of was like, all right, well, I'll show you that I'm going to you know, expel all of the criminals and all of those people that, you know, all of the illegals that are gang members and drug dealers. We're going to take those out and we're going to throw them away and send them to their countries. Um, but a majority, a vast majority of the people that he, would, whereas he was deporting were actually families, um, parents. And so again, like we're also seeing right now what happened to kind of get to the push of where we're at in the situation, which is where we have DACA and DAPA um, and where the conversation of immigration reform is kind of at the head. And you see the major difference between like the way the Republicans are talking about it and the way that the Democrats are talking about it. Yes. But everyone doesn't want to come to America. Oh. Immigration is actually down. Oh, really? Yes. Oh. Yeah. So everyone doesn't want to come to America. Um, because it's that fear, what you just said. Because you have a lot of media, like, and and again, I'm I'm we're a nonpartisan organization. I can tell you personally what I think afterwards. Um, but what the media kind of leads you to believe is very different sometimes than what actually is happening. So immigration's actually down. So that's just like the cold stone fact. Immigration from Mexico is down. Immigration from like a lot of immigration that's happening is actually from Asian countries and from India and for, from um, Southeast Asia. Um, so that's where that is happening from. But it's not at these massive amounts of numbers where you're seeing hundreds of thousand people like that are walking across the border. It's not like that. It was like that in the 90s, but it isn't like that right now. 
So, and the majority of like the undocumented immigrants that I was telling you about have been here for a very long time. They've been here for 10, 15, 20 years. So it isn't like, oh, I just got here and you know, like I'm right here and look, bam, you know, I'm here. It's like, no, I've been here since you've been born. So it's, it's kind of that situation. So it's just, it's a myth, you know, it tends to be uh, substantiated by a lot of talking heads um, who like to kind of perpetuate that because it's, it makes you, it makes it easier for people to fear what they don't necessarily know. So, but I'm glad you asked that question. That was a good one. All right. So again, so we see Obama who's like, yes, deporter in chief. And the thing is, is that it's a back and forth. Like truth be told, the president couldn't act on immigration reform without the help of Congress. Congress needed to pass a bill and they went through a whole bunch of different bills. And let me tell you, like it's, it's really difficult. The bureaucracy that you see in any situation, like I, I love and I hate Springfield because it's just like a bureaucratic nightmare. Like you, it takes a long time to kind of see anything happen. Um, but in the end, what ended up happening, and, and I guess, you know, this is a good and bad situation, is that the president finally said, you know what, I've been telling Congress for about seven years to do something about it, and they haven't done anything. Um, and so I'm going to submit an executive order, and I'm going to legalize young people who are students or who want to go into the military in an executive order known as a Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, and I'm going to give them a work permit. They're not gonna be legalized. They can't be citizens. This isn't putting them on a pathway towards citizenship. Um, you know, and let me go back to the diagram. Um, they're not, uh, you know, they're not gonna be able to do basically anything other than have this permit for about two years to just basically live so that they can go to school, so that they can you know, be, you know, go to, into the Marines or go into the Army, so that they can just kind of be there because they've been here. They've been students, they went to high school here, they more, more than likely went to grammar school here. You know, like they've been here for a, a significantly long time. And a, the amount of people that were actually affected by DACA was about 1.5 million. So out of those 11 to 12 million, about 1.5 million young people, because these are young people, this was about 16 to 30 year olds that were affected by DACA. Um, were able to, or open to be able to get DACA. About half of those, a little under a million, have actually applied for DACA and received their permit. And again, this isn't saying like, I'm condoning everything that you've done. These were young people, these were kids, sometimes babies, three or four year olds, who were brought across the border or you know, brought into this country by their parents. So at four years old, I mean, do you really remember what you were doing at four? Exactly. And at that point, you know, you're kind of looking at your parents. So the idea is that we shouldn't penalize young people who came across when they were kids. We should give them an opportunity. So we have DACA. And DACA works out great because we're in a situation now that even some of the organizations that we work with are run by DACA recipients. They're college students, you know, they're young people that are getting jobs. Like it's, it's been a wonderful thing to see the benefits of what's happened with DACA. So last year, President Obama was like, all right, you know what? Congress still hasn't done anything, so let's move on with it. Let's try to do something that's, you know, try to help as many people as possible. So now we're gonna expand DACA so you don't have to be within this age range of about um, 16 to 30. Let's move it and let's try to include um, parents. So the push for DACA and DAPA actually ended up moving more towards about 
legal or um, to helping out about five million of those 11 to 12 million undocumented immigrants. So now we're seeing stuff that's policies that are actually happening that are helping people. DAPA, which is a deferred action for parents of, 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 uh, of children, of citizen children, um, again, is exactly that. These are children, or these are parents of US born children that have been in this country for like 15, 20 years already. So they're already a part of this country. Um, but none of this happened without action. None of this happened without the organizations behind it that kept pushing the president. None of this happened without the young people, your age, a little bit older and a little bit younger, who came out of the shadows and said, you know what, the only thing that doesn't make me American is the fact that I don't have, or I'm not a citizen, but I was raised here. I've been here since I was a baby. I don't know any other country other than this. And so this is what happens. But this is our given right. You know, whether we're citizens or not, this is our human given right, is that we have a right to protest and say no. And we have a right to question what goes on, okay? So my boss and several of my colleagues are actually in this picture, because this was another picture where we shut down Congress, um, which is a very big thoroughfare that's going into the loop, um, in order, again, to get attention and to focus, make the focus be on the lack of um, movement on immigration reform. So it was actions like these that were happening across the country, um, and they continue to happen across the country that really pushed the president to finally act. Um, so again, we got DACA, we got expanded DACA, and then we also got DAPA. So I'm going to move quickly through the next couple of ones so that we can open up to questions and talk more about what we do on the state level. Like I said, I do electoral work. I work a lot with, uh, with kind of poking and prodding elected officials and making them actually do something um, instead of just like not doing anything at all. Um, yeah, so we do a lot of lobbying. Um, we do a lot of policy work, um, which is sometimes very tedious. Um, but then I also get to talk to a lot of voters. So I get to register a lot of people to vote, work with a lot of young people that want to learn how to be campaign managers. Um, but I essentially work with uh, young people and immigrants to bring them into the political fold so that they kind of understand the process, but they also get integrated into it. So we ourselves in the past about 10 years have registered over 200,000 people to vote in the state of Illinois. Um, and we moved about between 400 to 500 people 400 500,000 people to turn out and vote within those last 10 years as well. Um, and again, like we're talking about big numbers of people because our work, we've been working since 1986. Like it's, it's been a long and hard road, but it's the stuff that we love doing. So that's me with my little army of people that are going out registering people to vote. Um, I think that was actually before one of the parades. I don't remember what parade it was. And that's us with our Beyonce shirts, because um, I love Beyonce. But again, this is kind of give you, giving you a perspective, is that in the state of Illinois, and this is like a, a trend that's happening nationally, is that undocumented immigrants are not coming here as entire families. And again, they've been here for a long enough time. They're a part of mixed status families, meaning that there are family members that are legal permanent residents, there are family members that are citizens, and there may be one or two undocumented immigrants that aren't necessarily legalized. And the reason for that being is that the process to become a citizen is actually very long. Sometimes it takes over a decade. So, you know, you could have been here 20 years ago and you might just still be getting to the front of the line within those 20 years. So when Donald Trump says, you know, or actually it's Marco Rubio, says immigrants should go to the back of the line and do it the right way, 
There is no right way because the line is about 20 years behind. So if I'm 20 right now, that means that in some cases, I might not be able to be even put in the line for another 20 years. Because then, once you get to the point of trying to become a citizen, it's another three to five years to get to actually the naturalization point. So it's kind of, the path isn't there. It's just not there. And the only way that we can deal with it is if we actually move on immigration and actually enact some policy on the federal level. Um, so this is, again, giving you a perspective of registered voters. This is the, the numbers that I love doing, but we're not going to focus on that right now. Um, and this is, again, going back into the work that President Obama was doing with DACA and DAPA. Um, so now we're kind of moving into some of the work that we're doing on the state level. I like pictures, guys. We have tons and tons of pictures everywhere. Okay. And again, like, oh, President Obama moved because we were doing like this. This is actually in front of President Obama's house in Hyde Park. Um, so we gathered about 300 people to hold a candlelight vigil to basically pray for him because, again, some of our groups are also religious groups. We have mosques, we have temples um, um, that we're participating in, Catholic churches and Protestant churches. We always have a rabbi, we always have you know, priests, we always have everybody and their mom at events like these. But it was about three to 400 people who were out in front of the president's house basically praying for the president to you know, get, gain some clarity to actually move some type of executive action. And again, it wasn't just us. You know, I would love to say, yeah, we were the ones that he was like, yes, we're going to do that because of you. But it was actually a collective effort. It was a lot of people doing similar work across the country. But again, we do a lot of work in a lot of different ways because we realize that there is no one, you know, one way to be an immigrant in Illinois. Um, so whether it's working on behalf of undocumented immigrants um, to work on driver's license so that Made our, make our roads safer so that undocumented immigrants can actually access insurance so that in case you get into an accident with someone who is undocumented that they can actually they have insurance and that burden doesn't fall on you um, but that insurance is there available um, to you know working on voting rights and working on online voter registration which is one of the things that I get to do um, or working, and this has been like in the past couple days, because this literally happened the other day, is working on automatic voter registration so that when you go get your state ID or your driver's license, you can be automatically registered to vote without having to do any extra work. Like, it's already there. And if you move, it kind of follows you so that you don't have to constantly be registering to vote or you don't have to worry about that. So that on election day, you can say, hey, I came to vote and you're already on the roll. Um, but it's also about working on expanding opportunities, like expanding citizenship opportunities, and in some cases, after school programming, because some of our organizations also do that. Um, it's about fighting for the minimum wage, because undocumented immigrants, minorities are disproportionately, and young people are disproportionately affected by minimum wage, um, and usually working sub-minimum wage, which is not cool at all, because nobody wants to be making four bucks an hour. Um, so we really run the gamut on the work that we do because being an immigrant isn't just one thing here. It's about everything. So whether it's education and healthcare, whether it's just access to voting um, for those that are eligible to vote, we run the gamut on the work that we do. Um, so that means, again, I don't sleep very much. Um, I don't drink coffee, yes, and that's very weird. 
um, but I eat a lot of sugar, so that's what kind of keeps me going. Um, but at the end of the day, and this is just to kind of you know wrap things up and suffice to say, is that immigration and the topic of immigration is not something that you should be afraid of. It should be something that you do talk about, okay? Perspectives and different perspectives is nothing wrong. But don't fear something just because you don't know it. Ask questions, get to know things, and get to know people of different ethnicities and different races. Because it's only gonna help to serve you, your stomach as well, um, better in the future, okay? Just remember this, if you love tacos, you love immigrants, okay? Um, but yeah, so with that said, um, again, you know, we know this and we understand it very well in the work that we do is that immigrants are essential to Illinois because we provide a backbone, whether it's in the service energy, uh, service industry like restaurants and you know, hospitals and hotels and stuff like that. We realize where our communities are. But in the end, our work isn't to say, oh, we don't want to work with white people and we don't want to work with anybody else. We don't want to work with black people. Like, our work and the way that we see it is that we're inclusive of everybody. The idea being is that in our situation, immigrant communities are, and, and undocumented immigrant communities are vulnerable populations. And in a bully fight, we want to make sure that everybody's protected and that there aren't bullies coming after us. Um, so with that said, thank you for listening to me. Um, like I said, I try not to make it too boring, but sometimes a little bit is. Um, but if you have any questions, I am here to answer them. Um, since you, you know, that your constituency is not a, a group of people who are, you know, in positions of power, in mm -hmm. positions of influence, you're representing those people. How, what are your strategies for persuading, for influencing elected officials yeah. when you lobby them, given the fact that you're not representing a powerful group? So there's, there are two things that move elected officials. And this is actually all most people um, in, in that capacity, in the political capacity, is money and power and, and people. So elected officials respond to you either donating a whole bunch of money to them or through votes and people within their target um, communities within their districts. It doesn't seem like we do, but there is. Um, we actually do have a lot of support on the state level, in the city level, and in a lot of cases, in a lot of suburbs and different towns. Um, you know, outside of Chicago. So it's there because it isn't just about immigrants themselves, but it's about the allies. So there is a correlation between immigration and the Catholic Charities might not agree with this, so, um, but there is a correlation between immigration and marriage equality because marriage equality was really about kind of like, you know, targeting um, LGBTQ communities and saying, no, you're other, you're different, so we're not gonna give you this right that basically every other heterosexual American citizen has the right to do. Um, so there is a correlation between that because there are immigrant populations that fall within the LGBT community. Um, and it's also the fight for racial inequality or you know the, the Black Lives Matter movement right now that you see kind of playing out. There is a correlation between the violence that's happening in African American communities because it does spill over into Latino communities and Asian communities. So the fight for immigration reform isn't something that is just like in itself by itself. It is something that 
correlates with all the other inequalities that are kind of happening. And it is, you know, yeah, we don't have allies sometimes in downstate Illinois because their target districts are very um, homogeneous. Um, they're very white, but it doesn't mean that they don't understand that you know, there's uh, migrant farm workers that come and tend to the crops at that time. So it's about the angles as well and the way that we're able to talk to legislators. Thank you. Other questions? Oh, come on, really? Go right ahead. Um, you just you were saying something about like the insurance and like for mm -hmm. for undocumented immigrants. Yeah, undocumented. Mm -hmm. Like, how come like we could give them that if they're like not like if it's not civil? Like um, so there. So again, you're not a criminal if you're an undocumented immigrant. Like it's a a, a civil offense. So it isn't like it's it's kind of the way that it's categorized. Um, and even if you were to like, you can't just like necessarily get arrested because you're undocumented. There are like civil proceedings. So like even to get deported, it doesn't happen like, like from one day to another. Like there is a, a, a case, like you actually have to go to court and kind of plead your case in front of a judge, you know, and the judge decides, okay, you're gonna be able to stay in the country and we'll give you a visa. Um, or you know you're going to get deported, and we're going to put you on a bus or on a plane back to your country of origin. So with driver's license for undocumented immigrants, the idea is is that previously, before that time, if you were undocumented, you can't get a state ID, you can't get a driver's license, um, which makes it really unsafe. Let's say you're driving down the street and there's an undocumented immigrant that's trying to go to work, and you get into an accident. That person really doesn't have anything to show for insurance or you're supposed to have insurance on your car regardless of the situation. So a driver's license or a TVDL as they're known because they're, they're actually labeled very differently than your like driver's license is basically an ID that gives someone the, the privilege because they have to go through this, the rigorous process in order to actually get it. So like it isn't like I can go to the DMV if I was undocumented. I just can't go to the DMV and say I want this driver's license for undocumented people. I have to make an appointment. I have to go through the testing. Like it's very rigorous in order to get it. But then the perks are is that I'm actually helping to keep the road safe because that means that I'm respecting the the rules uh, the rules and the of the road. Um, but I'm also saying that I'm going to get insurance so that if I do get into an accident with someone else that, and it's my fault, then I can pay for that and that this person just isn't you know, out of luck. Um, but again, it's, it's a benefit to help make the roads safer for everybody, not just undocumented immigrants. So it isn't just like, yeah, we want driver's license for them. No, they're probably already doing the work, so we want to make the roads as safe as possible for everybody so that if the worst comes to happen, there is some form of protection for everybody in that situation. Anybody else? Okay. Any final thoughts? All right, how about a round of applause? Thank you. And thank you all.